We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents... What's the one thing I'm really, really good at? Bad food takes? Complaint. The elite complainer right here. Sports Talk Saturday. What is it that Western New York is trying to be famous for? Chicken wings, smashing tables, and complaining? They've got one core job, and it's to make coffee well. Not even good, just well. On WGR. This is my first opportunity to drink a coffee, and now I'm disappointed. Sports Radio 550. All right, y'all, welcome in. Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Nate Geary, we've got Zach Jones, we've got lots of football talk, whole nine, and uh, some basketball. I mean, this is the elite time of the season. So, um, yeah, looking looking forward to, uh, to today, getting a little shortened, condensed Sports Talk Saturday schedule, and uh, looking forward to uh, to chatting with everybody today. Phone calls uh, are welcome. Phone lines are open, 803-0550. And, uh, yeah, so uh, first and foremost, Zach, I mean, I, I assume you've been paying attention to college basketball. St. Peter's, I heard it in your update. Pretty awesome, right? They're, like, I, they're my favorite Cinderella, I think, of like the last. I, no, I'd probably say even in my lifetime. I think most Cinderellas kind of have this vibe of we're going to play our game, we're going to get everyone on their bad day, and we're, and we're going to win. St. Peter's genuinely believes they're a better team than yeah. everyone they've played, and it's so fun to watch. Yeah, and and kind of the fun, the maybe the most fun part about this St. Peter's team is like I was watching ESPN this morning, and the conversations around like Miami, who's in what a eleven seed, and then you know some of these mid, like big conference schools that are mid level you know, seeds, 11, 10, 11, 12, 13s, like, those aren't Cinderella's. Like, Miami's not a Cinderella. No, I mean, them and Iowa State were the two double-digit seeds to kind of advance as far along with St. Peter's. I would not consider either of them Cinderella's. They're just bad teams that got hot late at the end of the year to kind of make this run. St. Peter's is a genuine Cinderella that is acting like a blue blood, and I'm all for it. Yeah, and I think the probably the coolest part about just uh, listen, I mean, it's a MAC school, not even a MAC, an M-A-A-C. Uh, what is that? Mid-Ath- Mid-Ath- Mid-Atlantic Athletic Conference? I think is Metro is the uh, Metro. Yeah. That, that checks out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, I can't tell you that I've ever been compelled to watch a St. Peter's game before in my life. I, I never have. I know I Canisius know how you beat could. this year, though. What? I know that happened. And I only know that because a lot of Western New York people were tweeting that Canisius, through proxy, it's has bad. made an Elite Eight run. Which I fully agree with. That's bad. It's not good. It's not good. No. 
Well, listen, college basketball, lots on today. The women's uh, games, plenty of those going on this afternoon right now. Uh, North Carolina State, the one seed, and Notre Dame, they trail by one to the Irish. Uh, for whatever reason, my, um, my, my, my little ticker just switched over to soccer instead of the uh, – you know, the tournament games I was just reading off of. Okay, now we're good. Uh, the, the in terms, why did it do it again? Anyways, um, the Lady Yukon Huskies, they are on at 2 o'clock on ESPN. And then Louisville, Tennessee at 4. And Michigan in South Dakota. Women, South Dakota. Uh, they play at 6.30 tonight. So both men and women on today. Tonight, the, uh, the Houston-Villanova game tips off at 6.09. And then it's Arkansas-Duke. And that is probably, to me, the most interesting and most compelling game of these uh the slate tonight, uh, Houston's an interesting team because they, they lost their two best players or two best guards um, and find themselves all the way in the Elite Eight facing off against Villanova. I, 32-5 and five Houston is, and they're a five seed. Yeah, I mean, Houston's had a very weird year. I mean, Marcus Sasser was probably the best player in the American Conference. He goes down. And Houston's always like kind of like flirted with, we're not actually that good. Wait, no, 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 we're still as good as that Final Four team last year. And then they got to the American Conference Tournament, and they just walked through everybody. Yeah. I mean, just walked, and now they're in the tournament, and they just, they look like a two. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Purdue, most of the, I mean, Purdue lost last night. They've looked like the five. Houston has looked like a three or a two. I mean, they, they have just, we're better than you. We don't really care. Move aside. Yeah, I mean, anytime you win 30 games in a season, you're you're putting yourself in a pretty solid position. By the way, you can notice my, my voice kind of sounds like crap. I, uh, I've, I'm in full allergy season right now. So uh, excuse me and my sniffles and uh, my, my, con- my terrible sounding voice. Uh, but most of you would say it's terrible normally anyways, right? So wine and wine voice. Um, but yeah, uh, Sports Talk Saturday. Again, 803-0550, Your numbers to call if you want to give us a shout, talk some college basketball. We're going to transition into some football. J.J. Stankovitz is going to join us here in about 10 minutes or so um jj uh covers the colts for colts.com uh and is a part of their team's uh broadcast crew so we will talk to jj um at right around 12 15 and i think i'm most interested in, in in talking with jj about how it sort of feels like the colts haven't done much of anything in this free agency period with the most salary cap space to burn going into the going into this offseason they've really done nothing short of obviously trading for matt ryan which i guess is you know part of I guess you could say, if you're talking strategically about the Colts, is maybe you don't make a move until you have the quarterback position locked up. And... Or, or what I would call the opposite of what the Miami Dolphins have done, which is said, you know, we have no idea truly what we have at the quarterback position. We publicly flirted with the idea of signing and, and, and trading multiple first-round picks for Deshaun Watson and then fired the coach that was going to bring Deshaun Watson there and then publicly say, we were just kidding. We have no interest in Deshaun Watson and two is our guy. And listen, I, if you if you know me, if you follow me on Twitter, if you listen to me, you know I'm not the biggest Tua Tungavailoa fan. Would you categorize me? I think you're me? being a little delicate there. Yeah. Maybe a little Too bit. conservative, maybe? Yeah. What would you, maybe a Tua hater? You're definitely not a part of Tuanon. I am not. I, I do not subscribe to Tuanon. No, that's right. Um, but listen, you know, I think the Colts with Matt Ryan, this is really, listen, I, it's hard for me to feel like Matt Ryan. Watching him, what was it, week 17 last year, here in Buffalo, 
he looks shot. I was he going to say, he's not shot. He doesn't but look But it was an outdoor game, 20-something degrees. I mean, it was not great weather in Buffalo for that game. Um, but it was just, it, I, I thought the arm strength or lack thereof was just simply on display in that game. And that just was not something that... Listen, I mean, Matt Ryan's never been the I'm going to spin it all over the, the, the field on you kind of guys. I mean, he's, just, he's never had the big, strong arm, uh, and, and he's always sort of just been a, a thrower of the football, not a slinger of the football, if that makes sense, right? And with, with those guys in particular, and, and I'm thinking of Phillip Rivers, but maybe that's just biased because he played for the Colts, but it feels a little exactly like Phillip Rivers to me, and... You know, at that listen, I mean, Rivers was better two years ago than Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz was last year. But you saw what happened to when when you have the limited ability that you know Rivers did at the end of his career, like I think Ryan probably does right now. The, that gets exposed when you get to the playoffs. When you're playing a team with a quarterback like Josh Allen, a team with a quarterback like uh, maybe Joe Burrow is a poor example because I feel like Joe Burrow and Matt Ryan are probably cut from the same cloth there in terms of just you know raw raw throwing ability. Um, so yeah, I, I mean I, it's it's a weird situation for the Colts because I felt like they were sort like if you're going to go run it back with once again, which. You probably could have convinced yourself that was the that that was something you could do, but they just decided they were cutting they were cutting bait altogether on that. And I still don't quite understand the love for uh, like the love for them for coming off as so smart for cutting or for trading Carson Wentz for two thirds. And and I think Bruce Nolan, my my podcast co host, like I, don't, I I know he didn't make this saying up, but it's it's sort of like congratulating the arsonist for putting out his own fire, right? Like you don't really get credit. For trading Carson Wentz and getting three third or two thirds, when the year prior you traded a first round pick for Carson Wentz, which by the way, I thought put them in a position that they could not compete for the Russell Wilsons for the Aaron Rodgers, who obviously did not did not get moved. Um, but settling for Matt Ryan feels like that a settle, like it feels like they settled. And you know, with this with Baker Mayfield potentially available, I'm I'm genuinely interested as to why it seems that everyone has cooled so much on Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's one year removed from 3,800 yards and 26 touchdowns. Uh, they, they won a playoff game, and I know wins aren't quarterback stats, and you know that matters a little bit, I think, but the Baker Mayfield hate to me has, as a guy that's not a big, I'm not a huge Baker Mayfield fan, but I feel like I have to defend him a little bit because, first of all, it's hard for me to be convinced that Matt Ryan's a better option than Baker Mayfield. And especially, maybe the $18 million, it's going to be cheaper than Matt Ryan. And I mean, you had already they restructured Matt Ryan's contract, which, you know, ask Atlanta how that went. So, I don't know. It's, it, it's a weird situation when you consider the fact that I, I do think in terms of just raw talent, skills, Baker Mayfield is still one of the more talented throwers of the football in the league. It just didn't work in Cleveland. I don't think the scheme... Listen, I and, and I follow a lot of Browns Twitter guys. I follow a lot of guys that um, that that break down film and watch a lot of film. And all of them kind of come back with this isn't a Stefanski thing. And maybe that's right. Maybe this isn't a Stefanski thing. But I mean, Stefan Diggs didn't want anything to do with that offense. Uh, that that Gary Kubiak offense. It has its limitations. It's not exciting. It's, you know, based on running the football and ground and pound, and it doesn't not necessarily highlight 
the skills of A, wide receivers, or Bills, or uh, B, quarterbacks. And I don't know, to me, it's just a weird thing to have this Baker hate and not necessarily acknowledge the success he's had early in his career. And he's going into year five. This is not, this isn't four or five consecutive years of poor play. This is, and by the way, the injuries, the guy played through injuries he probably shouldn't have. And if he does not play through those injuries, are we even having the conversations about him that we are right now? He put himself out there, played through an injury, and I think it cost his reputation a little bit. And I think that's an unfair thing for a guy in a franchise, in my opinion, who really, the Browns, like, you know, you and I were chatting off air before we got on. Like, you know, did, did you did you listen to the Deshaun Watson press conference? I'm like, no. But, you know, that that franchise right now, it feels like every step of the way, at every turn of this last, I don't know, two months, month and a half, feels like they just grossly miscalculated everything. They grossly miscalculated the pushback that their fan base was going to give them um, about Deshaun Watson. I think they miscalculated the situation that they had with Baker Mayfield, thinking, okay, we flirted with Deshaun Watson, and then Deshaun told us, nah, we're not going with you. And, and by the way, Deshaun. You did not reach back out to the Browns prior to them giving you or offering the the literally the largest contract, guaranteed contract in NFL history. It was about the money. Tyreek Hill said it. He said the quiet part loud. It's about the money. Hey, fine. Go get your money, man. But you, who are you kidding? You, you're trying to convince me that you told the Browns no and then went back to them before they offered you $230 million guaranteed to tell them, no, 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 I was just kidding. You guys are the one I want. That's, that's BS to me. Absolutely, yes to me. I think, realistically, looking at the Brown situation, I think you can go as far back to the John Dorsey era, which I, I what he was there for about a year before they drafted Baker Mayfield. Yep. In terms of the true miscalculations yeah. of everything, everything I mean, big moves that just make no yep. sense, doesn't fit what you're building, and they traded three first round picks for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and, and the Deshaun Watson part for me. So I think we all kind of agree. He's probably going to get suspended, right? Yeah. I mean, six to eight games. Uh, Kareem Hunt, who's also on the Browns, um, was eight games, I think, correct? And then, then the Chiefs released him. I believe so, yeah, eight games. Here's my thing. The AFC is loaded with quarterback talent, and now it's just talent. I mean, yeah. every good player seems to be winding up in the AFC. Likely not going to make the playoffs this year. Baker's not going to play for you. Deshaun's going to be Did you suspended hear this six report, and I think it was Ian, or Ian Rappaport mm-hmm. that might have reported it, that said... Their plan could be to have Baker start games while Deshaun Watson's suspended. That could be their plan. That's great. He's not going to play for you. It's a funny plan. Yeah, it's it's a great plan uh, on paper. But here's my thing, and and you mentioned it. The fan pushback has already been a lot more than they were expecting. Right. You're probably not going to make the playoffs year one. What happens when you go another year without playoffs? (laughs) And you still have this very gross look on your franchise. Yeah. And then yeah. your three becomes, okay, if we literally don't make the play, where, where do you go? You, you can't, you now can't trade Deshaun Watson. That contract no. is absurd. Yeah, no one's, no one's buying that. No one's no buying, one's buying that. that. And the talent pool now on that, I don't think Cleveland's all that talented of a team anymore. No. Their, their <sighs> D-line is literally just Miles Garrett and a bunch of guys they got off the street. And, yeah, I mean, and 
they they're going to have a tough situation um, moving forward, trying to restock and retool and continue being. But listen, I mean, they've got money to spend. But when you're spending two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed, you do not have the same luxuries as say uh, a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes contract, where I think you're going to be able to get creative and push money down the road. That becomes more difficult when all of that money is guaranteed. Eight oh three oh five fifty. All right, uh, JJ Stankovitz is about to join us here in just one moment, so we'll talk some Colts. JJ is a writer for Colts.com, and uh, I'm I'm interested in asking, obviously, about the the Matt Ryan situation here. Matt Ryan walking in to a situation that, you know, frankly, right now the uh, the Indianapolis Colts do not have a ton. They just lost Zach Pascal in free agency. Not that Pascal, uh, you know, is is a player that is some sort of you know wide, probably not a wide receiver too. He's probably more so along the lines of a of a good team's fourth receiver. Uh, but this is a Colts team right now that I think, in terms of the offensive side of the things, um, they've got some questions to answer here moving in to the rest of the offseason into the draft and helping me talk about this offseason. Joining me now on the Western Hotline is Colts.com writer J.J. Snakevitz. J.J., thank you so much for joining me, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you on again. And uh, hopefully for you, I know in Indianapolis, you guys probably don't have the same uh, cold weather we do here in Buffalo this time of year, but we got snow this morning, man. So, like, I, I thought we had turned a corner, but uh, it appears we have not here in Buffalo. Nope. There, there is snow on the ground in Indianapolis. Um, I am leaving for the NFL owners meeting tomorrow, which are in West Palm Beach, and I cannot <laughs> get on that plane soon enough. Yeah, I'm I'm headed out to uh, to Orlando, Florida, in two weeks to go visit my grandparents, play a little golf, and uh, man, it is absolutely necessary for us to get the hell out of here. So I uh, yeah. I I uh, I congratulate you, my friend, for getting there sooner than me, and apologize for the snow on the ground. But listen, man, when, when snows on the ground in May or in March, uh, there's going to be questions about wait, when, just give me the football season. Where when's it going to be draft time? And I think the beginning of this off season probably has not gone the way that I think a lot of Colts fans pictured it going. JJ, considering this. This was a team with the most cap space going into this offseason. Now, they make the trade for Matt Ryan, J.J., but I think there was a sense amongst at least the people I follow on Twitter and the Colts fan community that they were going to be big players on the big guys in free agency, and the, free agency, and that just has not played out that way. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people made that assumption given what you, know, what you mentioned, that there was a lot of money to spend um, and, you know, some players on the market who fit positions of need for the Colts, but if you look at what they've done, you know, they retained uh, a number of their players, Mo Alley-Cox, Zaire Franklin, um, Matt Pryor, uh, all re-signed as did Tyquan Lewis. They brought in Brandon Faison from the Raiders. Those are all, I guess you could call them minor moves. Um, but, you know, those start to add up against the cap because you've got to fill out a roster. You've got to have those guys on the roster. Trading for Unique and Gakwe, um, you know, that, that took on probably – a uh, probably about an eight-figure increase in cap based on his salary versus Rocky Seen's salary, who was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. And then getting Matt Ryan, you know, that's another significant yep. addition to the cap. So I think a lot of people assumed there was going to be a big splash signing or two, kind of along the lines of what the Jacksonville Jaguars did. But the, the Colts have gone about it more methodically. They, they needed to address some depth spots on their roster, Chris Ballard has never been one to pay top-of-the-market prices. Um, you know, the, the old saying in free agency is a lot of the times you're paying A-plus money for B-minus players. Mm. Um, that's not something the Colts have really done over the time that Chris Ballard has been in Indianapolis. And something that he has said a number of times, he reiterated it this week when he we went on the Pat, the Pat McAfee show, 
was there are opportunities to, to augment your roster and to build out your roster from now through October. And we saw him do that last year, specifically at the left tackle position. I think a lot of people last year assumed, all right, this is where the Colts are going to spend big money in free agency. They went out and signed a couple guys who profiled more as backups in Sam Tevy and Julian Davenport. So they get to the draft. All right, this is where the Colts are going to go out. They're going to take a high pick on a tackle, and they go two defensive ends with their first two picks in the draft. And then a week later, the Colts signed Eric Fisher to go play left tackle. And then right before the season started, they traded for Matt Pryor uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, who wound up being re-signed this year and will get the first shot to play left tackle. So that's just kind of an example of how Chris Ballard operates, that he's looking for, he's looking for value mm. a lot of the time in free agency. And something he has said is you, you can overpay for guys, and that's okay, but you don't ever want to overcommit to players. And I think that's something that, you know, it, a lot of teams are willing to overcommit to players in free agency. The Colts are not one of them. And, you know, the, the patient approach that he has taken to it so far has paid off in addressing defensive end and quarterback. JJ, when you consider what this offense has at the skilled position, I'm a big fan of Michael Pittman Jr. I think he's one of the best young wide receivers in football. I mentioned right before you came on about the team losing Zach Paschal in free agency to Philadelphia. What do you expect, if any, is there additional moves to be made out there? Or is this? I, I guess we would probably consider this the third wave of free agency right now, and you're talking about value, and you're talking about trying to find good value in contracts and term uh, and, and overall money. Typically, the, the third-tier free agents, the third wave of free agents, those are the contracts that it, those are exactly what you're talking about. But there are some still pretty significant names available on the open market. I think maybe most notably at a skilled position is Julio Jones. Like, What do you expect this team to do prior to the draft or do you expect them maybe to just commit some draft capital on the on day one and maybe into day two at the skill position players and, and, and kind of let a guy like Michael Pittman Jr. continue to blossom into a true number one wide receiver? It's a really good question. You know, I, I think that, you know, the, the Colts, like a lot of teams, view this as a deep draft for wide receivers. So if you're if you're thinking, you know, the Colts don't have a first-round pick, but they do have the 42nd overall pick and the 73rd overall pick, both of those are from Washington that they acquired in the Carson Wentz trade. And if you're thinking, hey, we could go get a wide receiver who might be better than going out and overpaying for a guy in the first or second wave of free agency, um, you know, given, again, the depth of wide receiver that seems to be every single year in the NFL draft, you go do it. And I think that's a really interesting calculus. You know, I, I still – my guess is that the Colts will add a veteran at some point um, just because right now the most veteran wide receiver in that room is Paris Campbell, a guy who has not played a whole lot in his career and he's only been in the NFL for three years now. Um, you know, maybe T.Y. Hilton still comes back. If he does, I'm not sure he would be counted on to be kind of that, you know, 1A, number two type receiver next to Pittman. Um but, you know, there's still some moves to be made here. But I think with an eye on the draft, that's a really good way to look at this, um, just given the depth of that position. Um, you know, and then I think like a lot of teams are starting to realize when you kind of get into this third wave of free agency, once you get within maybe three weeks of the draft, a lot of teams just say, hey, let's wait until after mm. the draft when signing free right. agents doesn't count against the compensatory pick formula. So, if you're looking at, at it from that perspective, if the Colts don't make a move at wide receiver 
in the next, call it, week or two. They probably will after the NFL draft, once they've kind of sorted through that picture. And then again, that helps them out in 2023 with maybe recouping a couple of uh, day three picks in the, the compensatory selection. JJ, do you get the sense there's like a style or, I, I dare I say, like sort of almost body type that the Colts covet at the wide receiver position, uh, or, or and, and and I guess the the kind of follow up to that to that question is, do do you think that they're going to want to find a guy on the other side of Pittman, whether it's in free agency like you're talking about, maybe after the draft or in the draft in the first or second or third round, because there's lots of value at the wide receiver position in this draft on day two. And, and I think you're going to have starting caliber, number two caliber receivers going deep uh, into the third round this year. And, and that has been the case more and more, JJ, like year in and year out. It seems like the wide receiver position stopped being there's three guys at the top of the draft and then everything else is meh. I mean, the Bills have Gabriel Davis, who's a fourth-round pick, um, and right. who, who is likely right now transcending um, into a true number two wide receiver in the NFL and, 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 and a guy that teams look at and have to really start to to worry about from def- from a defensive coordinator perspective. But, like, do you get the sense when the, when the Colts go into the draft or they go into free agency here that they want to find a complementary type player with Pittman and maybe not a guy that does exactly what he does? That's why I kind of mentioned um, Julio Jones, but he, right as I said it, I'm like, you know, I, it doesn't sound like it would be a good fit because it kind of feels like he does all the same things that Pittman does. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. Um, you know, and, and just thinking about, you know, the receivers you guys got in Buffalo, Gabriel Davis, but Isaiah McKenzie was, he was what, a six-round pick? Something along yeah, those lines. I, so, right. you know, you can you can find those guys, um, you know, with really good skill sets on day three of the draft. And, you know, as it relates to kind of the complementary pieces, the one thing that the Colts have been pretty pretty strong on with their wide receivers is you got to be willing to run block. And, you know, when you have Jonathan Taylor, that that's a pretty important skill to have. And you know, losing a guy like Zach Pascal. when I talked with guys last season, they all told me that Zach Pascal was the heart and soul of the wide receiver room when it came to being physical in the run game. Um, it's no surprise that Philadelphia picked him up with Nick Sirianni there and, you know, their emphasis on running the ball. But, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is a guy who's not afraid to stick his nose in on running plays. The Colts have a guy, Ashton Doolin, um, who's mostly been a special teamer in his career, but he got a little more one, run at wide receiver. He's another big, long, physical guy on the outside. Um, I would be interested if the Colts are looking at maybe trying to find a, a speed option, um, you know, someone who maybe is a little smaller and quicker to complement those guys. But, again, if that guy isn't willing to run block, mm. he's not going to be much of a fit in the Colts' offense. So, um you know, and you mentioned Julio Jones. Obviously, the connection there is with Matt Ryan, right? Right. Where, you know, Matt Ryan played with Julio Jones forever. They had incredible success in Atlanta. Um, you know, I've, seen, I, I've been just, you know, every day I, see, I feel like I get a fan asking me about Julio Jones. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but, you know, again, there is this kind of profile of, like, you know, tall, long, physical receivers that the Colts have targeted uh, over the time Chris Ballard has been here. And, you know, there's there's probably not much of a reason to believe that is changing right now. J.J. Stankovitz here on the Wester Hotline. He writes over at Colts.com. We're talking some Indianapolis Colts offseason. And, hey, listen, I mean, uh, I – 
I kind of saved the best and the most interesting stuff for last year because we're going to talk a little Matt Ryan now. And and, and obviously, J.J., the ever-evolving AFC playoff picture, uh, it feels like sort of gets moved every day, the other 48 hours ago or whenever, 72 hours, it was Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. And now are the Dolphins a backdoor playoff team? Are they going to compete with the Bills in the AFC East? I- I'm not certain that I feel the Jaguars have done enough to really become a threat in that division. Um, but I, I do look at what the Titans were able to do this offseason. They keep Harold Landry, um, which I think is going to end up being a nice move for them. They go and get Robert Woods, which I love. Uh, obviously a big Robert Woods fan here, being drafted in Buffalo a few years ago. So like overall, when you look at the landscape of the AFC, JJ, do you think Matt Ryan moves the needle enough for the Indianapolis Colts? And it, this doesn't have to be a two or three year thing, JJ. Even if it's just a one year, hey, Hey, you know, we're going to bring this guy in and he's going to be better than Carson Wentz and that's that. But like do do you believe the addition of Matt Ryan puts the Colts square in the thick of things in an AFC that I I just in in years past I can't think of anything quite like what we've seen play out this offseason in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at what Matt Ryan has had in Atlanta over the last couple of years and their offensive line has been near the bottom of the league in pass block win rate. The run game has been near the bottom of the league in efficiency metrics. Um, you know, yes, he's had some good wide receivers there, certainly. But um, this, the, the <clears throat> so a lot has been put on Matt Ryan. And you look at his stats, and he was, he was leading the NFL in pass attempts in, I think it was 2019 and 2020. So they, they threw a lot onto his shoulders because they didn't necessarily have the other pieces to kind of complement the passing game. And, you know, Matt Ryan was getting sacked quite a bit. In, in Indianapolis, he's going to have a very good offensive line. Um, he's going to have the best running game in the NFL. You know, you can make an argument either the Colts or the Browns have that. Um, and, he, you know, yes, the, the Colts still have some question marks at receiver and tight end, but the, having the run game to complement him is something he hasn't had maybe since, like, Michael Turner was in Atlanta. Mm. It, it's been a minute since yeah. Matt Ryan has had, like, a great running back to hand the ball off to. So that helps in the play-action game. That just helps keep defenses on their toes a little bit more. And, you know, I, I was watching some of, uh, you know, Matt Ryan's film from last year, and, like, he's still got it. He still throws a really accurate, pretty deep ball. His mechanics have not been, you know, they have not deteriorated over time. And I think that's something really interesting about Ryan. He's only missed three games in his, in his entire career. And sometimes, you know, quarterbacks who have had injuries and, and have been injury-prone over their careers, their mechanics start to deteriorate a little bit, whether it's because they're compensating for an injury or just because they've been hit so much that they get a little bit skittish, and there's none of that in Ask that Cam line. Newton, so, for sure. Cam, that, well, exactly. Cam Newton's the perfect example of that, J.J. Yeah, I mean, you know, sadly, watching Cam Newton throw a football last year was painful. Yeah. And, you know, through no fault of his own. But um, I, I think, you know, with a good offensive line, a good running game, the Colts are in a, a good spot to maximize the kind of, you know, the, the last couple of years, however long Matt Ryan is going to continue playing of his career. And that does put them in the thick of things in the AFC. I mean, this is a team that last year got so run heavy that by the end of the year, teams, you know, defenses just said, all right, well, we'll stack the box. I, I think having a quarterback in Matt Ryan who can kind of take those layups, which is something that the Colts talked a lot mm. about with Carson Wentz, that he, he didn't take the layup throws, the checkdowns to Naheem Hines, who's a really dynamic playmaker. Uh, 
you know, th- those are throws that Matt Ryan will make. And, you know, it kind of felt like the Colts were probably a couple of layups away from making the playoffs last year and being the team, you know, after the Colts beat the Patriots, they're the team no one wanted to face in the AFC. And then all of a sudden they're the team no one could face in the AFC because they're out of the playoffs. But the, the, the way things that, you know, I, I think people here in Indianapolis are looking at Matt Ryan is that if he can just operate the offense, make some of those deep shots, you know, connect on those throws, and then not, not put the ball into harm's way when there is an opportunity to take an easy access throw. Those are some things that just I think will, will help this offense out to kind of right themselves and then get right back into contention in the AFC. And, I mean, look, last year the Bengals, they were a four seed, and they played the four seed in the Super Bowl in the Los Angeles Rams. If the Colts make the playoffs by winning the AFC South as a four seed because you've got all these other super teams around the NFL, well, why not? Why not the Colts right. make the playoffs? I don't think anyone expected the Bengals to make it as far as certainly they did, not. So. Yeah, certainly not. Yeah, well, right. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I think that just you, know, you get the dance. You got a quarterback in Matt Ryan who has a ton of playoff experience. I think that gives you a chance. JJ, I got two more for you here, and obviously you you, you sort of mentioned and glazed over the Carson Wentz situation, and and obviously it felt like very quickly, JJ, there was a quick shift in thought, and and. I want to ask you two questions here. The first one with Carson Wentz is, if he beats the Jacksonville Jaguars in Week 18, is he st- and they make it to the playoffs, and even if they lose in the wild card round, is he still the quarterback? And 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 my second question is, you know, fr- from all accounts, it didn't feel like Carson Wentz was any less than most people thought he was going to be, right? And the things that he always struggled with, the things you're talking about, the layups, the checkdowns, throwing to running backs, those are all things that were on full display when he was with the Eagles as well. Those were not things in his strengths, right? In in his bucket of strengths. But is this more... I guess the question that I have to have here is, is there just more to this than what the guy was in the field? Because it it almost feels like it has to be. Because what he was in the field is kind of what he was two years ago and before the injury, short of 2015. This has sort of been who exactly who he was, and that's, I'm assuming, who the Indianapolis Colts thought that they were getting. So I think just the the first part of your question of if he would still be on the team, even if the Colts made the playoffs and they they even won a wild card game. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Because the way that the, that the Colts approached things this offseason was, is Carson a long-term solution for us? And when that determination was he's not, then the Colts decided to move on and acquire some pretty significant draft capital and financial relief from Washington. So, you know, I think if that same offer came along that Chris Ballard got from the Commanders, even if Carson Wentz was the quarterback of the team going into a divisional round game, I think that move still could be made. And, and I think the, the caveat here is it would be, how, you know, like, how did the Colts make the playoffs? How did they win that wild card game? Was it because Carson Wentz hit a couple of big-time throws and really propelled the Colts to a win, or was it because he did a really good job handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor a number right. of times and, JT just took over. You know, I think those are kind of two separate questions here. Um, and then Chris Ballard said something interesting when he went on McAfee the other day that, you know, he still – it's not like the Colts lost all faith in Carson Wentz in this process. But he said sometimes getting out of the family is good. 
And for Carson Wentz to go to Washington where he doesn't have any connections to that staff, you know, he, he played in Philadelphia under the same head coach for his entire time in Philadelphia. And then he comes to Indianapolis and he plays for the offensive coordinator who was there when he was drafted in Frank Reich. So he's always had these connections. You know, the Colts hired Press Taylor, who's very close with Carson Wentz last year. And Chris Ballard said, you know, yeah, you, you, sometimes you get out of the family, you, you do a little bit better. I thought that was a really interesting comment on Carson that, you know, it's, again, it's not like the Colts think Carson Wentz is a terrible quarterback who's completely beyond, re, you know, redemption. But when it comes to viewing him as a long-term solution and, you know, paying him commensurate with that, the Colts decided they, they didn't feel like he was, so they moved on from it. JJ, uh, I, the last thing I just wanted to ask you about is is, is obviously, I, at least from some of the uh, original rumors of where Deshaun Watson was was kind of considering and teams that were interested, it sounded like the Colts were at least interested in an opportunity to pitch Watson, but because they're in division, it, it you know it never materialized, and, and frankly, they didn't really have the assets necessary to pull off a trade like that for Deshaun Watson. But overall, you know, I my producer and I were talking about this prior to uh, to the show off air today about you know whether or not either of us really watched that press conference and I and I did not watch the press conference JJ admittedly but I I did see a lot of almost all of the quotes a couple of video clips and I I just couldn't help but to think that it it feels like from afar the Browns just kind of miscalculated um, how people were going to handle and take um, you know being a fan of a team that just traded for Deshaun Watson and you don't have to tell me whether or not you think the guy's guilty or not JJ but it I, I think from an NFL perspective it felt like yesterday was kind of a loss for everybody and 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 obviously the Browns but I, I I did not seeing the quotes it just did not come off to me like something that was good for the game good for the league and it certainly was not good for Deshaun Watson yeah I mean we as a society have come a long way in believing women um but 22 accusations of sexual assault and misconduct um it's tough to see that press conference and not think about that. Um, that's kind of the only the only sort of comment I have on it is just um, it's a, a really sad situation. Um, and, you know, we as a society need to believe women and continue to believe women. Here, here. Love that. All right, buddy. I appreciate you so much. Tell the folks what you got going on. I know you're going to the owner's meeting uh, next week. Arcel Capaccio will be there as well. But tell us uh, what, what kind of work you got up in the pipeline, where they can find you on Twitter uh, if they want to keep tabs on the Colts. Yeah, find me at JJ Stankovitz on Twitter. Just type in at JJSTA and hopefully my name pops up so I don't have to spell <laughs> the rest of it. Uh, you can read me on Colts.com. I'm going to be down there. Yeah, down there in West Palm Beach, going to catch up with Frank Reich and uh, Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard. So uh, a lot of goings on with Colts, certainly. Um, A lot of interesting stuff I'm sure we will hear. So if you're a Bills fan and you want to hear about what's going on with the team that uh, beat you guys 41-15 to earlier this year, go ahead and check out Colts.com. Love that. Love that. That is how you exit an interview. I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for (laughs) it, as always, and we'll do this again sooner, my friend. Sounds good. All right. Have a good day. Appreciate you, buddy. J.J. Snankovitz there on the West Her Hotline. i got to take a time out on the other side. We will preview our two because this segment went a little long, obviously. Uh, no Matt Verderam. We got, we got our, our, our lines crossed a little bit. So originally we were going to have Matt coming up here at 1230. That's why we went a little longer. So Marcel Louis-Jacques joins at 1, and uh, we'll preview that coming up next here on WGR. <laughs> 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Nate Geary, Zach Jones, hanging out with you for the next uh, hour and 15 minutes or so. And uh, Marcel Louis-Jacques is going to join us at 1 o'clock and talk about the Dolphins. Because, you know, like, what what, what happened there? Anything, any any storylines with the Dolphins you guys can think of? I um, I read this tweet. Uh, I retweeted it, and I like it. I'd like to read it on air and talk about it for a second before I take another time out here. From Michael David Smith, he tweeted that the Browns think that once Deshaun Watson helps them win football games, the fans will cheer him on and forget about the 22 a- uh, accusations of sexual assault. I'd like to think the Browns are wrong, but the excitement that he saw from Dolphins fans after the Tyree Kill trade makes him think otherwise. And um, I think that's sort of a sad reality of this. The the this this sort of universal condemnation of Tyree Kill, by the way, he was, has had two issues over the course of his life, uh, one with women and one with his son. And um, he's like loved, he's beloved, and everyone's very excited in Miami about, about his appearance and, and his addition to the Miami Dolphins team. And I, I think like Michael, I, I, I am also worried that, you know, I, I, I'm, I feel very proud that as almost like a, a group of people that follow football and enjoy football, the people that I follow on Twitter almost universally all, you know, believe what the Browns did here. And, and to do this without having clarity on the civil side, um, doing it and then having him still, um, you know, potentially having his situation go to a grand jury two days ago um, and them doing that before that was cleared up. I Again, it, it feels like the Browns at every step of the way here – miscalculated what people thought, uh, miscalculated about, you know, and the Haslam's not showing up to the press conference and having a Zoom meeting after. Just, it all stinks right now from Cleveland. And uh, if you're a Browns fan here listening to the station, you know, well, we'll welcome you into open arms here at Bills Mafia. But that just, it's, it's, it's been a, co- a tough couple weeks here for Cleveland Browns fans. And, and I imagine it gets easier here. And I think that's the tough part that I know a lot of us are, um, are kind of worried about and, and, 
keeping in the back of our minds, and I think everybody should, just, just to make sure that until we know, until he can be proven innocent, which I'm not sure he'll ever be able to be proven innocent. And the things that he said in that press conference, some of the quotes that I saw, just really out of touch, um, really not self-aware of the situation that he's in and that he finds himself in. And, you know, if you were going to go up there and just throw PR words out there, what the hell was the point? That's what I have to say. You know, I, I, I wish that he'd gone out there and give us some genuine answers. And I know his lawyers and his, his advisors are, were probably all told him, say, say as little as possible, don't incriminate yourself, so on and so forth. But if you're innocent, you would, you would answer questions with a little, you know, with being genuine. And I, I did not get that vibe from, from Deshaun at all. So, 803-0550-1888-552-550. If you want to get a call in next segment, feel free. We're talking uh, Dolphins here coming up at 1 o'clock with Marcel Louis-Jacques of ESPN. So, don't go anywhere here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. All right, welcome back. Our final segment of Hour 1. That's right, a condensed Sports Talk Saturday today because of some BetQL uh, Elite Eights preview action that you heard at 11 uh, uh, our normal starting time here on WGR. If you missed any of our one with J.J. Stankovitz of Colts.com, of course, you go to WGR550.com and uh, check out on-demand audio under Sports Talk Saturday. And uh, Zach will have all those uh, hours up uh, as soon as they are done, but I'm going to take another time out because I've got uh, Marcel Louis-Jacques, and I want Zach to have time to get his update in uh, at 1 o'clock. So we've got an update, and then on the other side of that, Marcel Louis-Jacques ESPN joins me. We're going to talk all about this Tyreek Hill trade to a tongue of Viola, uh, you know, what this means for Jalen Waddle. So lots to cover with Marcel. That's coming up next here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.